Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room Welcome back to The Screening Room. Hello, hello, hello. So back in 2017, I, along with my then colleague Patrick O'Leary, who introduces most of these segments, uh, recorded a series of interviews I'd managed to secure at London Super Comic Con, um, also lovingly referred to as LSCC. Now, this was a proper Comic Con, no disrespect to any shows that refer to themselves as Comic Cons, of course, but LSCC existed purely for comics. No actors, uh, no non-comics artists, if I recall. Don't quote me on that. Um, Yeah, everywhere was Artists Alley. Everywhere was Writers um, writers Alley. Actually, I I don't know. What do you call that? A section with just writers. Mm, Okay, does that even exist? If not, uh, maybe it should, huh? Uh, That idea is for free. Anyway, this was a show teeming with comics creators and comics creators only. Thankfully, uh, I know one of the founders of LSCC, so I managed to get a couple of passes and secure an interview with uh, none other than the legendary Brian Michael Bendis. And through my connections with who I like to call the Greek gang, uh, Athens Con's uh, own uh, Andreas Pefanis, so he's the uh, show organizer for Athens Con, we were able to interview a number of creators that he'd brought over from Greece as well. This was sadly the last LSCC. They took a break the following year, and I think last year joined with MCM, uh, who are now run by the monumental uh, Reed Pop. So LSCC will be running what's known as the Comic Village at MCM's future events. Uh, you can keep an eye out on MCM's uh, website, www.mcmcomiccon.com. Um, total of four C's in that, uh, in MCM Comic Con, by the way. And no, they are not a sponsor so, uh, don't know, just a free plug for them. Uh, they're amazing anyway, so go check them out. Some of the questions I'd plan for our guests will undoubtedly show the age of this recording as we talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, which had just been released theatrically, and some other bits. But regardless, it's interesting to hear the guests' responses and thoughts. Please excuse the fact that the audio quality drops a bit here and there. Uh, you know, dips a bit and whatnot. But I think it's worth hearing, given the incredible creators we got to chat during the show. So um, first up is illustrator, comics inker, and personal friend, uh, Guillermo Ortego. A couple of things worth noting. Uh, The current project's question, well, like I said, this was recorded some three years ago now, two and a half years ago. Uh, So I do hope Guillermo managed to finish those commissions. Uh, And the magazine he refers to, I believe, was uh, El Mundo's La Luna Metropoli magazine, uh, a Spanish publication which sadly, I believe, recently stopped its uh, print copies back in sort of mid-April. The reasons for which I'm unaware, but I'm sure the current pandemic didn't help things. So anyway, enough from me. Uh, Let's get to it. Okay, we're here with Guillermo Ortega, one of our other very talented creators here. Hello, Guillermo. Hello. I find it difficult to say that name, sorry. So I just want to start off. um, If you want to introduce yourself and what you do and any inspirations that you have go ahead uh well yeah i'm as as he said i'm, I'm guillermo ortego and i'm a comic book inker and illustrator from madrid in spain uh but i've been living in london for for the last few years 
So I'm sp I've sort of been operating from here, doing a lot of uh, UK conventions and then another of European conventions. Um, so yeah, for many years I inked superhero books for Marvel and DC and other companies like Valiant and Dynamite uh, on, well, on a full-time basis. And for the last couple of years I've sort of branched out and started doing more illustration work for magazines and newspapers while still doing some comic book work. I mean. um, so one of the questions we were asking everybody is, um, is there any comic books that haven't been adapted into film or television as yet that you feel should be at a priority list to be adapted? Um, well, I mean, it's an interesting question because um, I would, I mean, all, all the big names, if they haven't been made into a film yet, they're in the works. Because um, I think if you, if you have a look at the at the calendar for superhero movies up until 2020, it's pretty intense. Um, and I think it covers all, all the major superheroes. Um, in terms of other books, um, immediately I would think of Tintin, but then again, that's been converted, um, uh, which was interesting, um, that adaptation. Um, and the truth is there's so many European books um, that treat uh, so many different, like, um, quiet um, and uh, what's what would be the word? Quiet and um, um, quiet stories based on daily lives. Uh, that uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So um, essentially, boring comics from a superhero um, point of view that would definitely make fantastic movies. And in a way, uh, they can be even easier. Um, adapted it easier in, into film because it, it just the theme would suit better than than really action-packed blockbuster movies. Um, yeah. Is there um is there any films that you think have already been done based on comic books that you think could have a better interpretation? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, the main the main issue, and this is a a, a general comment about all superhero movies, is uh, what I feel. That does uh, well. Superhero movies can never, or why they can never really match the feelings fans develop for the comics, because as a reader and especially as a kid, you're reading that character on a monthly basis for many years. So you you're almost growing up with the character, and that sort of bond and feeling it's really hard to um, reproduce within like an hour and a half or well two hours and a half, I guess. Um, so in, in, in that sense, um, what might be missing on the superhero movies is that feeling that, of course, it's, it's pretty much impossible um, to achieve straight away in a simple movie. Maybe once they build a franchise and we're getting like four movies in into the, like the Thor series, um, slowly but surely and with the years, people would, have, well, would start to know the characters. And if they stick with the same casting, which I think they're doing, and if Chris Hemsworth becomes Thor more than he already is, in which he might even change his legal name, then we might to get uh, start getting that sort of feeling that um, all comic book readers got by reading the monthlies. Yeah. So um, I know you haven't seen Homecoming yet, mm -hmm. but um, I would still like to get a sort of um, know your thoughts on the interpretations of Spider-Man so far, mm -hmm. and what your kind of ideal Spider-Man would be on screen. Okay. Um, well, obviously when the Sam, Sam Raimi movies, that was his name, I was getting confused with Sam Mendes. Um, um, very, very different. Yes, yes. Um, 
But uh, yeah, when they came out, I was pretty young and very into my Spider-Man back then. So obviously, I loved them all, uh, even Spider-Man Three, which was quite something. Um, but in real, and, and I guess they served their purpose, and I guess they were made for people like me back then. So the fact that I liked them says that they were actually pretty cool movies. Um, especially loved, I get the second Spider-Man which is probably widely agreed to be the best of the three. Um, and as for the next uh, incarnation, Andrew Garfield, I probably like them even more, even though I cared less about Spider-Man back then. Um, I mean, I was older and I had been working in comics for some time, so I was, um, I don't know. A, comics like superhero books had become a job by then, so there was less of a fan approach to the character. But I, I still liked um, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, and I thought it was a cool reinterpretation. As much as I, I just hate having to go through like the origin story every time we show the character, as much as I get it, but it's like, come on. Um, and the same applies, for example, with Batman's um, origin story and like the the amount of times I've seen like Martha, Martha Wayne's uh, pearl necklace be pulled apart by the gun and the pearls like bouncing on the floor. It's like it's a great scene, but it's been done so many times. Let's just everyone knows it. Let's just move away from it. Um, but all in all, I was pretty happy with the two Andrew Garfield movies, and I really liked Tom Holland in in Captain America: uh, Civil War. So. I think that well, when I do watch it, I, I think I'm going to enjoy it um, as much as uh, it might have, I don't know, the, yeah, the small issues that most superhero movies might have. But at the end of the day, they're just like popcorn blockbuster movies. Um, you're not there to um, come out of the cinema reflecting on the perils of modern society and the meaning of life. Do you need to do anything? You sure? Go ahead, I'm in no rush. You sure? Yeah, okay. I'm in no rush. That's okay. Thank you, man. Um, we're going to uh, sort of close out now anyway. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you're currently working on um, that you would like to promote, tell people about, any future projects, and um, Facebook pages, Twitter, where anybody can start look at some of your work? Um, well, I happen to be uh, quite busy right now. I'm working on, well, I have three deadlines uh, right now, which are driving me a bit crazy. But to be fair, they're not very exciting projects for a sort of like the comic book, book fan base. I'm working on on illustrating a, a Real Madrid book, so that's football. Uh, and I'm working on uh, illustrating a poem for a magazine and also, um, uh, what else am I working on? And a cover for, for another magazine. Um, again, there it's nothing pop culture related. So sadly, the uh, comics fans tend to not give a shit, to be honest. Um, but in terms of uh, comic work, uh, the last thing that came out was Astonishing X-Men issue one, which was uh, came out only a few weeks ago. Um, so I, I, I hope everyone checks that out. And in terms of uh, like social media presence, I'm literally on every platform uh, invented. So, um, but I think it's on Instagram where I'm most active. Um, and to be fair, everything that I publish on Instagram eventually ends up in Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter. So I guess Instagram is the source. Um, so I, I would definitely encourage people to go and check my Instagram page and give it a follow. Thank you very much, Kodama. Thank you. Thank you. 
Next up is Scotsman James Lundy. Now, you might remember him from our special tribute uh, Stan Lee episode that we did uh, when Stan Lee passed away. I think it was end of 2018. James talks about his graphic novel Wired, uh, which is a Scotland-based noir sci-fi horror, as the creators themselves describe it. They started back in 2011-ish, I think, and managed to launch issue one the following year, if I'm not mistaken, which is, I'm sure you'll agree, an incredible achievement. And a Kickstarter campaign for the collected edition followed some years later, which I believe was fully funded. Uh, Well, given that James had the collected edition for sale at his table at LSEC 2017. So obviously he got it published somehow. In fact, I bought a copy and can highly recommend it. And actually, since we recorded this piece, uh, not the piece I'm recording right now, but the original interview, I vaguely remember James telling me that the book had been optioned by a studio, which is brilliant. I'll maybe try and record a follow-up feature app with him uh, to talk about that journey. Let's see. Anyway, here's James. Well, here's me first, and then James. We are here at uh, London Super Comic Con on the Saturday. It's kind of busy. It's really nice. We're in Angel at the Design Center, I think. Design Business Center. Design Business Center. Sorry, I stand corrected. And we are here with um, James Lundy, and he is from Edinburgh. He runs Edinburgh Comic Con. So I had the pleasure of meeting him last year. Uh, Thoroughly pleasant chap. Puts on a good show. So if you're ever in that part of the world, get down there. Um, So James, you are here promoting uh, your new graphic novel. Can you tell us about it? Ah, yes. Well, uh, Wired is really, it's it's my new book. It's a new book which I released actually a a while ago. It was a brainchild it came about, it was a story that I had to tell for quite some time. And uh, we released, like, we had, had it together for quite a while, and it's been quite a long journey of love. We basically released issue one back at the first LSCC back in 2012, you know, that when Stan Lee was over and everything, that particular one, just in case if anybody's trying to correlate it to what year. And uh, issue one was about 23 pages or something like that. Um, along the lines, um, we sold it there. It uh, was actually very well received. You know, it right. seemed to be quite well. Um, whether that was due to people just being energised because you know uh, the, the con being you know good fun and Stan being there and what have you, and yeah. they were open to it, or you know whether it was my, my Scottish charm, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it was it sold very well. I mean, it was a it's a sort of like a, a sci-fi, uh, a sci-fi comic book, loosely based in Scotland. And when I say loosely based in Scotland, what it's done is I've, I've drawn on places like geographically places that I've known where I've been. Sometimes changed the name, sometimes kept them the same, you know, like roughly. So if you're familiar with certain places, then you'll, you know, you'll roughly know. You can build a picture in your head, yeah. fill in a few read between the lines and fill in a few things yourself yeah. um, and also sometimes it's just you know they say write what you know so yeah, yeah. I, I knew those places and it's basically it's about the, it starts off with the two cops really it follows on actually it follows on from a short film which we produced that's on the website so everybody can actually watch that and that leads straight in oh, to wow. the comic okay. book but the comic book starts with two um, like Scottish hard, well, two Scottish cops. One's probably a bit more hard boiled than the other because he's a bit older, yeah. you know. And the younger one's probably 
they, they like they need a bit, bit more fresher. And they got a break on a case that they've been working on for quite some time, and that leads them down this sort of. I wouldn't say the term rabbit hole because I'll be perfectly honest, I've never fully understood what that term meant. <laughs> um, but it's led them into this world of, well, it's led them into this, this journey into parallel dimensions, yep. to fringe sciences, um, and other like concepts and the such like as that. Uh, deals with you know, things like uh, how the universe is all vibrations and frequencies and all these different things and yeah. oh, I always remembered you know when, when you went to school and they showed you the science that they changed the frequency of the noise in these like the oscilloscope or something you could the different things changed shape and that you know oh, the, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. geometric patterns and all these yeah, different yeah. like life's just there's so many different things so yeah. I'd like to try and draw back and forth on all these different things okay. just in it's quite um, abstract sort of ideas aren't they yes um and you know, just trying things about consciousness and all, all these sorts of things. So, but I try, perfectly honest with you, um, I couldn't possibly encapsulate all the different ideas. Yeah, you know. yeah. All you just try and do is try and put them in, uh, put them into a sort of a form inside yeah. the comic book that people enjoy and they read it, and yeah, yeah. you know, they don't think I'm, I'm, you know, too much an idiot in the process. <laughs> I suppose. No, I'm sure they were. Yeah. Um, Oh, wonderful. And it's interesting, I didn't realise, though, that this thing was based on a short film. Yeah. Okay, so it leads into one to the other. So um, we were talking earlier about how, you know, how you were planning some of the panels when you were talking with your artist and your illustrator and stuff, and how they were quite cinematic. So this podcast is about cinema, really. So I want to, A, I did, because I didn't realise that you were, that this was involved with the short film, it would be quite cool to get you back on the show and maybe we do like an audio track or something for a commentary track for the short film oh uh, yeah sure I mean I would say it, was, uh, it wasn't just so much it wasn't really based on the short film no. initially we thought about doing the project as a series of webisodes yeah right um, and uh, they do the comic book as well but then we thought well we'll have the one short film we shot that on location in a venue in Edinburgh called Why Not Nightclub years ago it's uh, so, so a place in George Street in Edinburgh okay. and we, we filmed it we actually we managed to get the shooting schedule and everything done so we kept it tight we filmed it all in one day edited okay. it we went down a grindhouse sort of feel to it okay. so we could be quite artistic creative and be a little bit forgiven you know yeah, sometimes yeah. so that was the sort of feel to it and we felt the grindhouse sort of feel and some of the things we'd done on screen actually helps to the the actual feel of the comic book and yeah. uh, and things that we've maybe got in store, you know, for the yeah. comic book with this different dimension thing. So yeah. just just all these different ideas. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd love to. And you're saying about the, yeah. the 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 blocking technique. It was funny actually because you know I was just yesterday I was in the the class, the, the by Michael Bendis class, and he's talking about a few things and how he used to draw things and give them to the writer. And yeah. the time he came across. When the writers and says, "Didn't he do that?" Yeah. And that's exactly what I done. You know, it was like, yeah. well, they would have meant me sketches, but it was like the storyboarding. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I'll also say to the artist, you know, you've got creative freedom here. So, yeah, yeah. if you come up with any ideas or anything, you know, you tell me, and we'll, yeah. we'll work out, and we'll have a back and forth. Yeah. yeah so, nice. yes. Uh, um, 
I don't know if I fully answers your question, you know, because I'll, I'll go on a tangent, so. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine, that's fine. Um, okay, so, right, Spider-Man Homecoming is almost here. Yes. Um, what, so, we're doing this thing where we're sort of asking creators, really, um, how they feel about uh, how Hollywood or um, whatever studios translate that medium into film. So they're taking two-dimensional medium, which is a comic book or whatever, Translating it, translating it into film. Um, more often than not, it seems to be successful. Sometimes it's not. But uh, we're talking specifically about Homecoming. What did you think of the film? How do you think... Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I actually loved the movie. Yeah. Um, no. It's got to the point now with the way that Marvel are treating a lot of their films that I've not really been disappointed with any of the films they've put Yes, some are stronger than others. I mean, it's just the way it goes. But on the whole, I'm still very happy every time I go into the cinema. I've not really left feeling angry. Well, not, I've never felt disappointed or disheartened or anything. Yeah. Right, but, you know, Spider-Man's one that, because Sony still holds, you know that thing about yeah. Sony still holding that? Yeah, and yeah. the Fox still hold, like the Fantastic Four and X-Men. Well... I, the last sort of attempt that they made at the Spider-Man movies with Ad, and, uh, Andrew Garfield, mm. I've watched the first one. I, it was okay, you know, I enjoyed it. I didn't watch the second one, the, the lecture and that. No, not because I thought it was a bad movie, I just I had no inclination to go and watch it. Interesting. You know, but um, I saw the trailers and I saw some of the clips for this new Spider-Man Homecoming. So you got a wee glimpse into some of the ideas, things that were pulling from, you know. Now... I like the fact that it's not just a carbon copy of the comic books because, you know, if you've got to go and... Well, I'm Scottish and we've got quite a bit known, <laughs> a, a known there for being quite tight, you know. You don't want to pay twice for the same thing sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I like that they've done that, they've been creative, but they've, they've drawn from different things and they've, they've took it on screen and they've used the artistic licence and they've made a good story. It was it was coherent. It was I I, I really enjoyed that. I was I was excited. I was actually in the cinema uh, with my youngest one at the time, and uh, he lapped up. So it was something that both of us could share, you know. Um, and at the same, so and it was it was great because it was it was written in such a way that you know him he's seven year old he could enjoy it, you know, for the story and for Spider Man and all these sorts of things. But me, I could also enjoy it from being. You know, also when I say sharing it, but for a fanboy's perspective as well, yeah. because you know you've got things um, like damage control, you've got things like all these wee Easter eggs here, there, yeah. and everywhere that you can, you know, troll forms like. So you, I'm talking like, well, you've got Tombs as uh, Vulture, but you've got some of his henchmen as well. You know, you've got like uh, Shocker, you've got um, the Tinkerer, you've got. Uh, let me think about. It. You had. Um, Vulture, um, no, uh, Scorpio, Scorpion. That's right. Shows up at the end, right? It was implied. That's heavily right. implied. And you're like, oh, oh right, okay, this is this, this is really good. And then you've got um, what do you call him, uh, Donald Glover, who was like uh, active as uh, the character who's got to be Prowler, yeah. Pro, you know, like and Prowler being Miles Morales' uncle, and you think to yourself, oh wait a minute, because he actually sees in the film, you know, he's got a nephew. Yeah. Then you're like, ah. Oh, right, well, I mean, this is good, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. implied, these things are talked about and applied. And so, that for a fanboy's and that's good because when you th also think about 
none of us are, are getting any younger. So you think to yourself that it still feels very fresh. This 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 sort of the cinematic universe, you know, from when we first went to probably watch Captain America: The First Avenger or something, yeah. and the two Avengers and what have you, and then we're coming, we're going towards Infinity War. Yeah. And you know, I'm so happy that like Marvel and Sony actually sat down and they've worked it out, and the, you know they've come to some sort of mutually beneficial agreement. You know, yeah. I only wish that Fox could do that with Fantastic Four. No, yeah. but we're living, we're living, we're living hope. Yeah. Um, there was uh, like I mean, s- 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 cinematography in terms of the way it appeared on the screen. There was, I didn't feel any of it was jarring. Yeah. I felt the pacing of the story was fine for me, you know. I mean, if I could compare it to some other films that I wanted to see, that I really... I mean, when I went to the cinema to watch, like, Batman versus Superman, I'm sitting there, and when it was cut together, I'm, I was like, oh, oh, come on, it was, it was jarring from one place yeah. to another. I was just like, I didn't feel that yeah, the homecoming, yeah. so I thought they'd done a... I personally felt they'd done a really good job of it. Nice. Uh, you know, from a filmmaking point of view and from a fanboy point of view as well. Yeah. So fan service as well. You know. Perfect. Okay, so um, if people want to buy your graphic novel wide, where can they get it from uh, other than here? Well, they can also they can get it online from uh, emancipationstudios.com. They can buy it online. Uh, it's about £8.97 or something like that. Well, this isn't the BBC. We can, we can talk about money, can't we? <laughs> uh, so uh, they can do that. They can get it sent out to them um, I'm positive um, posters and packages about like one night but you can go in there and it's all on emancipationstudios.com uh, and other good um, sort of cons yeah, it's, yeah. it's small press so we've never really went and tried to put it in many shops or that so maybe in the future James thank you very much well thank you very much well. next up we move on to Stefanos Papavados. Uh, he, like the others, talks about their own work and what they do. But what I found interesting about Stefanos was that he started out life as an architect and moved into illustration. Now, I work for a developer in my day job and particularly uh, with a design team and with architects. And there seems to be a real distinction between them and myself in terms of our outlook on composition, aesthetics, and in, in general, it seems. But uh, our sensibilities, I think, when it comes to architecture and interiors is pretty similar, I suppose, uh, from what I can tell. But when I hear of those that cross both lines, it's uh, it's always interesting. Another person that's done that uh, is a British architect, actually. I just want to mention this chap, um, Owen D. Pomery. And his, uh, go check out his beautiful graphic novel, uh, which collects two of his comics. They're called Between the Billboards and The Authoring of Architecture. Uh, worth checking out. Anyway, back to Patrick and Stefanos. Okay, so um, we're here with one of our very talented uh, creators, Stefanos. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself and um, just kind of uh, introduce yourself. Just sort of tell us what exactly uh, you do and anything you've worked on, anything you're working on now. Um, So go ahead. Uh, Hello. Uh, uh, First of all, forget my English. I only speak bad English and Greek. (laughs) Uh, So I'm an architect uh, in uh, Greece. And uh, five years ago, I decided that uh, architecture is a very good profession, uh, but uh, it's not that the thing that I really love. So I started to make illustrations. I, I was drawing uh, from a uh, very long time ago. 
but uh, in a professional level, I started uh, five years ago. So uh, my inspiration is uh, old, uh, old cartoons, uh, all kind of movies. Uh, I'm an uh, 80s guy, so I like it. Uh, I like the the more traditional stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, currently I'm uh, I was working with uh, Wacom uh, Wacom uh, tablet, uh, but. Uh, when you're drawing with uh, with uh, digitally, uh, you don't have uh, uh, the luxury to have prototypes. So, and uh, by pencil, it's always more uh, more comfortable comf- comfortable with uh, to draw. And so, I started to make originals, and uh, I have participated in all all the cons in uh, Greece, uh, one in Cyprus. And uh, now it's my first uh, international uh, con, and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm also very excited that uh, I see other Greeks. So, and there was a panel, uh, a talk in uh, about Greek uh, comics. So we first we take we take London, and <laughs> then the world. Great. <laughs> yeah. um, so one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, are there any comic book properties at the moment that haven't... Don't you? Okay, not sorry. Um, are there any um, sort of comic books at the moment um, that you feel should be put into films? Comics that should put into films? No, I'm actually... Uh, I see a lot of anime, you see, and uh, there are uh, very good ideas there, like Death Note, for example, yes. Uh, but uh, if you know Psychopaths... Yeah, it's a, it's a list of uh, anime that are very good, and I don't know why they didn't, uh, they, they are not filmed yet. And uh, no, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a comic uh, uh, collector, so I don't know about them. But I, I know that a lot of independent comic that uh, haven't seen the. Uh, light of uh, publicity uh, have very good ideas inside and they could be used is there um, any you can think of like off the top of your head that you can name uh, no don't uh, in greece uh, we have very indie uh, uh, artists and uh, if you you can come to greece and see the uh, fanzine uh, uh, sector they have very good ideas so, but uh, nothing pops on my head now, right now. Yeah. No problem. Um, so basically, this is going to be um, leading into uh, us talk, doing a commentary on Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, so one of one of the things we wanted to know is, um, have you seen Spider-Man: Homecoming? And just really, what your thoughts are, um, sort of the film in general, um, comparing it to past Spider-Man films and how the iterations and how it was. Just your views, really. Uh, I like it very much that uh, all the new movies are part of a universe. Uh, I like the first, ba- uh, first Spider-Man because it was the first time we saw it. It was uh, it was following the book and uh, the comics, and it was uh, only it will have a place of my heart in my heart. But uh, I liked it very much the new film, and uh, I, it was fresh. And it was—it is more human. 
and uh, I, I like this uh, uh, this interconnecting with all the other heroes, and I hope that uh, they will continue in the same uh, principle. Okay, because um, that was going to be sort of my next question. Um, how do you feel about um, the way it's going into Infinity War next year and the year after? What are your expectations quite high then because it's all built up to this big massive blockbuster? Yeah, you, uh, you can see on YouTube uh, how there nothing is uh, everything is on, is on purpose. And this is the I think they surely have people that uh, put things in its film uh, so that you can uh, uh, see why it is there in the Infinity Wars and uh, yeah it's uh, the only thing that I'm worrying about it's uh, what comes after <laughs> so they, they are going to reboot everything yeah yeah, yeah I have uh, I trust them okay but uh, it's uh, a sad uh, moment that all come to an end with what's happened next yeah um, so, just to um, close it off, is there anything you would like to sort of promote or tell us about? Like any, um, have you got like a website or anything you would like to tell us about? Uh, about me? Yes. Uh, I'm currently have a web page and of course a Facebook page. Um, I have uh, a lot of illustrations in my portfolio that points out, like the uh, Marvel Universe, that points out in a certain a comic that I want to to make uh, uh, and create my own universe about uh, interconnecting stories and it will be a seven part story uh, with uh, little tips in it and it will be all leading to something big uh, it's like uh, the life project every artist has a big project and this will be mine yeah, I cannot uh, say uh, the, the title yet but uh, I hope that it will be my final final piece. <laughs> oh, great, okay. Uh, thank you very much, Stefan. Tony Zanukakis. I'm sure I'm butchering the names here, but uh, you've got to forgive me for that. Uh, again, does a great job uh, of introducing himself, but he's a solid illustrator who we caught whilst he was working on a commission. Uh, he refers to himself as a pinup artist, but if you check out his DeviantArt page and you know his stuff online, you get to see uh, lots of sort of postery compositions that look like they're probably comic covers. Um, uh, he also works on things like board game illustrations, which is quite interesting. So really more of a traditional illustrator who's broken into comics slowly but surely. Anyway, hear him talk about his uh, opinion on Spidey films and stuff. Yeah, here's Tony. Um, I'm going to let Tony introduce himself and tell us a little bit about what he does and sort of his inspirations. Tony? Hi guys, my name is Tony. Um, I'm a pinup artist, illustrator, comic artist. Um, most of my work is done uh, for comic covers, book covers, or generally illustrations. Um, that's about it for the time. And... Uh, that's about it. <laughs> Tony's in the middle of uh, doing one of his very fantastic drawings at the moment. Um, one of the questions uh, we're asking everybody, is there any comic books at the moment that you feel should be um, put into film that haven't been put into film as yet? They're put into film? Actually, uh, there are uh, so many independent comic books that could be into films. I can't think of any at the time, but uh, there are heaps of comics. 
and, uh, and uh, comic writers that uh, could make decent films. Uh, the industry now is, is, is kind of like in the, in the, uh, into mainstream uh, characters. That's why uh, Marvel at the time um, is creating movies with its most, most important characters. And uh, but the thing is, uh, we can see that in, in, the, in the years to come, uh, more, more, more unknown characters are going to be into films. So at the time, uh, only the mainstream of characters have been made in films, but hopefully in like five or ten years, we'll see more characters which are unknown to people, to the public. But hopefully, uh, even some uh, independent characters from independent, uh, from more unknown writers, can come to the film. Uh, that sounds really good. Um, we're kind of leading into um, Spider-Man: Homecoming in one of our future podcasts. So, have you seen Spider-Man? Yes, yes, I have. Um, so, we kind of just want to get your views on the film in general and um, how you feel compared to previous Spider-Man films. How you feel the character, um, whether it's better or worse, or how the interpretation is. Okay, yeah, yeah. I grew up with uh, the first Spider-Man films, like uh, Tobey Maguire. So, uh, I'm kind of like uh, believing that he was the original character for me. I uh, also like the Andrew Garfield. Uh, he was he actually he was he was a really good Spider-Man because I really liked uh, how they how they incorporated uh, when he fought. He also said things to his opponents, which Spider-Man does in the comics. But uh, the film, uh, the direction the film was going with the storyline, that was the ma the, the main uh, the main downside of the whole series. Uh, unfortunately, it got cut off. I would I, I would actually like to see the third installment of the film. Uh, but we'll never see that. That's ne ne never going to happen, obviously. Uh, for the recent film, I really like the Tom Holland. He's a really, really good Spider-Man. He's, he's actually um, kind of—he can compare with uh, Tobey Maguire, actually. Um, it's a new film. It's a—it's a more younger character. Uh, all the characters in the film are more young than than the the, the previous two. Uh, so we just have to wait and see in the next years how it's going to develop. So um, I'm just going to end off by asking, is there um, anything you're currently working on or um, any sort of Facebook or Twitter pages you want to promote um, for people to see more of your work? Uh, I just recently made my, uh, my first uh, sketchbook. Um, that's my most, re my, my most recent uh, uh, thing I want to promote. Uh, but generally, uh, I'm kind of new with the art. Like I'm just like two, two years in the industry, in the in industry, creating comics. Because before I was not drawing at all, so uh, and generally in the, in the years to come, I want um, to get into the industry uh, by just creating more art. At, at the moment, I am doing the book covers, novel covers, and uh, board game illustrations. I draw also um, uh, for online gaming. So in the years to come, uh, I'll be more and more into the comic industry. Great. Uh, thank you for your time, Tony. Very nice speaking to you. Now, I first met Nikos Koutsis back in 2015 when uh, Arti was invited as a guest uh, to the first ever Athens Con. Uh, Nikos was uh, very welcoming and kind, of acted like a tour guide for us as well, I think. Um, maybe that was unintentional, but he's, <laughs> he certainly did it. Anyway, uh, Nikos Kutis has a prolific uh, portfolio. He's worked for IDW. Uh, they used to produce those amazing Transformers comics, if you recall. So they probably still do. Uh, I'm not sure. 
Uh, it's been a while since I've collected them. But anyway, uh, check those out. They had this amazing animation style illustration. Uh, in fact, I think the incredible British writer, a uh, big fan of his, Simon Furman, uh, who wrote all the Transformers Marvel UK stuff back in the 80s, uh, also created one of uh, my favorite comic characters, Death's Head. Uh, also worked on the IDW stuff, I think. Anyway, some great artists on that series too. Uh, Nick Roche, another Brit, uh, who I had the pleasure of meeting at a small comics convention uh, a long time ago now, I think 20, uh, 2013, 2014. Uh, it was another purely comics-related convention, uh, albeit very small. I uh, can't remember the name. I think it was Demon Con or something. Uh, I don't know, I can't remember, but it was in my old uni town uh, where I did my H&D in graphics and illustration, interestingly enough, uh, in Maidstone. Uh, who else was there? Alex Milne, I think. Uh, anyway, yeah, check it out. So Nikos also worked for Image. Um, you know, amazing, uh, amazing folio. Anyway, uh, I'll let him tell you about his work with those guys. Uh, super nice guy. Spent some time with him at the first Athens Con, like I said. Uh, yeah, lovely chap. Enjoy. So we're here with the last of our very talented creators, uh, Nikos. I'll let you um, introduce yourself. So, um, Nikos, tell us um, exactly what you do and sort of some of your inspirations and tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, like uh, it, it was uh, in uh, 2002 and 2004 that I visited uh, first New York and then San Diego. I started attending conventions. Uh, I went to New York on 2002 and then uh, at the San Diego Comic Con 2004, 5, 6 and 7, presenting my portfolio. And uh, the end result was that uh, in 2008, uh, in 2007, I, I did uh, part of a mini-series called The Imaginaries for Blue Water Productions. And on 2008, uh, I started working with uh, Eric Larsen. Uh, at Image Comics and uh, I have been his regular colorist on Savage Dragon since then. At this point I've colored more than uh, 80 something books of his, of Savage Dragon and uh, a few more, like a lot more Image Comics through that, like Image United, 50 Girls 50 of Frank Chos. The Image United was a big project if you know about it. And uh, long story short, it's uh, nine years now I've been uh, a professional colorist again, and I have colored more than uh, 3,000 pages. I also had done some coloring work for IDW, like the Angry Birds Transformers and uh, one Marvel gig. Uh, the, um, um, it was, they, they did the remastering of Simonson's Thor uh, take uh, and uh, it was a huge omnibus and I had uh, a part of it, I have colored a part of it, like like 74 pages I think. So, well, uh, my uh, what I was going for was uh, a career as a penciler and inker but uh, by, well, it's like by accident I became a colorist and uh, it was something I liked a lot and uh, I went with the flow, as we say, but uh, after a few years of doing this, and since I'm uh, an artist that uh, would like to draw more and, you know, do inking more and stuff, I made a decision to get back to that. So the last year I'm back again to drawing and uh, penciling and inking uh, books. My most uh, recent work is uh, The Mighty Man One-Shot that we did with Eric Larsen. Eric Larsen has written it and uh, I drew it and it has uh, sold like uh, almost 5,000 copies which is a very good number. 
and a good start for me again uh, in this direction. And uh, there's a lot more coming that uh, I will very soon uh, be announcing in my Facebook page. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Savage Dragon, because um, one of the questions we're asking people, is there um, any comic book properties that haven't been um, put into film that you think should be put into film? Do you think Savage Dragon is one of those? Um, uh, it definitely is. And uh, you know what? Uh, back the, but when I started coloring the book, uh, Eric Larson did something I consider very, very, very clever, very smart, and something that uh, touched me. I mean, it was very. Uh, when when we uh, when we uh, when he asked me to be the regular colorist, uh, and I, I was very happy with that option back then. Uh, it was like a couple of weeks later than uh, my my, uh, my uh, FedEx rang my door. And it was uh, the, I, I was the, I was uh, delivered a box with all the Savage Dragon books at that point, which was uh, one. Uh, it was issue. I, I started coloring from issue one uh, uh, hundred thirty-eight. So she she, she she sent me one one hundred thirty-seven uh, Savage Dragon books. And uh, as you can understand, uh, the next couple of months uh, I, I spent them I spent them reading, you know, and I was hooked. That, that's 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 what he wanted himself too. He wanted to share this with me so that I was hooked and I was putting all my soul to that. And uh, he succeeded in that because I was amazed by his writing and his uh, universe, the universe that he has created. And uh, I've been uh, following it ever since. And uh, it's a very, it's a very, I would like to see Guillermo del Toro doing uh, a Savage Dragon, you know. the exact same, yeah. So hopefully, I'd love to. I'd love to see that movie. Thanks for that. Um, so one of the things we're sorry. So um, one of the things that we're asking people is um, about Spider-Man: Homecoming. Have you seen the film? Yes, I have, and I liked it a lot. Great. I liked it. So um, what we want to ask you is sort of, um, what are your views on the film, more so in comparison to the previous Spider-Man films? Mm -hmm. Well. Um, uh, I liked I liked the the actor in the first film in the first take I liked him a lot it wasn't I believe this this guy here was a better Spider-Man than uh, the previous two and uh, I, I I liked the first two films a lot but then again this one and this has to do with uh, the Marvel universe that has been built lately uh, I think that uh, in, in, in most cases uh, is the best. I mean, there's, there were some parts on the first take that uh, I liked better, but uh, in total, this one uh, was the best. Um, how do you feel um, about the films moving forward to Infinity Wars next year and the year after? Do you feel like it's... Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm Your expectations are very high. Yeah, of course, of course they are. I've been following it, you know. I, I have most of the films. Uh, I've seen them more than uh, twice or something. And uh, well, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing them. I'm I'm hooked. <laughs> I think we all are. They, they've done a great job. Um, so I just want to finish off by just asking, um, sort of, if you want to promote anything that you're working on at the moment, um, your Facebook page and your Twitter. I'd love to. You know what? Uh, there's a, I, I, at this point, uh, I have a, a deal with Image, and I have uh, a, crea a creator-owned story 
that I'm uh, now in half creating it. It's, it's going to be five issues uh, miniseries, and I'm now in uh, issue three, and almost in the middle of it. And uh, we will announce this probably when I'm done with three, but also I have another option for working someone big on something big, and uh, if uh, now in September we will probably make it official. So if that happens, then uh, this image project will be kind of delayed. I would have to deal with you know with, with both both projects. I I can't. Unfortunately, I can't say more now. I I I, I have already said more than I, I should I should have because it's better to you know to have something out first and then start talking. But I'm very much happy about what's going on. So next winter is uh, going to find me very busy with good stuff also. Uh, since Mighty Man went uh, so well, there is an upcoming uh, Freak Force one-shot that we're going to do. I haven't received the script yet from Eric, but uh, it's all around uh, the Facebook uh, groups of Savage Dragon and Eric Larson that we're going to do one and uh, people are looking forward to it. There are several pod yeah, there are some podcasts and some uh, uh, articles and uh, some uh, Eric Larson is talking about this too so there's these two for winter so it's going to be a very a very busy schedule so I'm looking forward to this winter and you know produce all this Jewish stuff sounds very exciting um, I'm you time because thank you thank you very much have a good con and last but not least uh, Patrick spoke with Brian Michael Bendis. Now, Bendis, uh, since this recording, moved from Marvel to DC, like literally a few months later. But his work with Marvel Comics, ugh, it's legendary. He essentially reinvigorated the Avengers book um, with the new Avengers back in the mid-noughties-ish. Uh, he wrote what's known as uh, the event storyline. So like basically the big crossovers. He wrote Secret War, uh, not to be confused with Secret Wars from the 80s, which if you're my age and a comics fan, you'll remember fondly, uh, especially as that's when we were introduced to the um, to the alien symbiote and the black-suited Spider-Man. Uh, the symbiote, of course, later bonds with Eddie Brock, forming uh, the Spidey villain Venom. Anyway, he uh, Bendis wrote uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, and he's also responsible, ugh, I say responsible, he wrote Age of Ultron, which the film actually steered away from, but ultimately, uh, that is Bendis' baby, you know, that title. Uh, he had a special thanks credit in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, so I'm guessing there must be some ultimate Spider-Man elements in those new Tom Holland films. I don't really know. I need to look into that. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, it took uh, my other favorite uh, comic uh, comics character, the mighty Man of Steel, Superman himself, uh, to pull Bendis away from Marvel to DC. Uh, after he saw an exhibition dedicated to the last son of Krypton in his hometown of Cleveland, uh, USA. Uh, so, yeah, we'll end on Bendis' last words. So I'll bid you adieu. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Here's Brian Michael Bendis. The first question I wanted to ask you was uh, Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, I just wanted to ask you, how much did it sort of vary from um, your work on the actual comic itself? Oh, totally. It's a complete variation. In fact, the only thing it really shares is the, the title. And um, uh, I think Tom Brevoort came up with the title when we were putting the Age of Ultron event together. And, um, you know, the event itself, the comic book, is actually 
like the last Ultron story and Age of Ultron the movie is like the first Ultron story. So they, they couldn't be more different, but they do speak to, uh, they both speak to how serious the threat of Ultron is. I mean, that's what they share. And I remember as a San Diego and uh, Joe came up to me because by the way, they're calling uh, Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. I go, oh, great. Because, you know, having been down that road before, it, it, it like I just knew it was going to, like help the book, but I, I didn't ask for it and I wasn't pitching and, and uh, uh, I was, I was really grateful, but it was, it was cool because it, it does. We've heard from so many people who saw the movie, particularly like younger readers who haven't read a lot of stuff. And then they read, they'd pick up the book. Some thinking, Oh, it's the movie the, in the book form. And then they read it like 10 pages in there. Oh, Ultron already won. Like this is like Ultron has taken. It was funny because the reason I did Age of Ultron in that style was um, I had done a, another event called Secret Invasion. And a couple of years later, um, uh, THQ was going to do a, a um, Avengers video game, like a first-person shooter almost. Not shooter, but power shooter um, of the Avengers. And the whole thing, the premise was the Secret Invasion had already happened. The Avengers woke up and the, and the scrolls took it. Yeah. And now we're trying to get out of the hole that was dug and i remember and they actually pitched it to me as this is the story we want this is the way we can do our gameplay and tell that story and i was like oh man i should have done the whole event like it should have been the avengers just woke up and they it was just because that's what would happen you're not going to get a we're invading it's like you're, you get you wake up and you're invaded and i remember if i ever do another event that's what i'm going to do and then when the ultron thing came about I was like, it, you wake up and Ultron has won because that is what will happen. And uh, so that's why we did it our way. But at the same time, Joss had a whole different agenda, which is really to not only, you know, introduce Ultron as a, as a modern, you know, thing, but also to, you know, I thought his stroke of genius was making it Tony's fault instead of Hank's fault. It was really brilliant. I remember hearing it even in the earliest stage. I was like, oh, so great that he gets to do that. I was quite the same actually. I yeah. thought it was a very good, different perspective of it. Yeah, I remember like in the very first outline because I was in the uh, Marvel Universe Creative Committee at the time, so we would read like every draft of every little thing, and boy, oh boy, I, from the first outline, I was like, "Oh, it's such a good idea!" Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> so, what were your uh, general feelings about the film itself? I mean, you were just um, saying you felt like it was a very good, um, different take on Ultron. Yeah, I, I mean, I. I I, I, I like it a lot, and what I like about it is it's very much, um, if the first movie is the Avengers in the 60s of, of the classic comics, yeah. this is the Avengers of the 70s or the late 60s, which was one of my favorites and kind of my touchstone for how I was writing Avengers, even though some people might be surprised to hear that because I didn't do any of those beats, but I, I used those beats as my inspiration and, and how they warmed to each other as family. And I remember even reading those Avengers stories, mostly by Roy Thomas and John Buscema and, and going, boy, they're really turning into a family. They really love each other and they're really like, they're, they're really like sticking with each other. You know, they're like, they're, they're not getting along sometimes, but they're not leaving the room. That's like, I love you. That's, you know, and uh, uh, that, that's when someone says, I love you. I'm not going to bail on this annoying conversation. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, so it was fun to see that come come alive on the on the screen because I'm still reeling from the fact that there's an Avengers movie at all. So you know, yeah, I know, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, so moving on to Spider-Man: Homecoming, 
So we saw that you had a special thanks credit in the film, and we just wanted to ask, really, what was your um, general involvement, and what did you think of the film overall, anyway? Uh, my my involvement was nothing. I I did I did nothing on the movie, um, but I was told very early on by Kevin Feige this is going to be pretty heavy. Uh, influenced on your take that it's going to be like Peter will be in high school and we're not aging him out and 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 it's going to be like the high school drama and I was like oh I wonder what that will be and then over the course of the months before the movie's release I would constantly hear from people in the industry and out of the industry who had seen it said oh my god it is like your shit come to life and I'm like oh what what if I don't like it (laughs) Like, what if I don't like how everyone perceives me? And it was like, I remember I just said to my wife, I go, oh, I hope I like it. You know, like, it's a weird feeling. And I had been through this with Jessica Jones and some other things, and it's very surreal. It is. And I, I know it's a high class, and there's about four people who can relate to what I'm saying, so I'll stop talking. But it is very surreal. And then when I did get to see the movie, I was uh, immensely flattered that people were perceiving me in the same way that they perceived that work, I was flattered that the screenwriters and director had chosen some things that were very personal to me, like little tiny things that I, some of which I've never spoken of personally. Like there's a scene in Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic book, where Spider-Man fights a bunch of guys in Avengers masks. Like, okay, no one would care that I thought that was genius. Like I was just so <laughs> proud of myself for that stupid little thing. And uh, I never said anything to anybody, but it was like, and every writer has this little bits and pieces that no one ever gives you credit for that you just think is the cutest thing ever and blah, blah, blah. And, and so when I saw it, even in the trailer, I was like, oh, how did they know I liked that so much? I mean, of like literally the thousands of scenes and bits and pieces that I've written, that may be my top five little bits and pieces, right? And there it was on screen. So I was uh, immensely flattered by the, by the hom- homages and obviously when... Uh, Donald Glover came on board. I heard very clearly that he was like, well, I'm, they want him to be Uncle Aaron, and if he didn't do it, it just wasn't going to be in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is what he said, right? It was it's in Hollywood Reporter. Donald Glover said that, where they were like, we want you to do this, and if you don't do it, we're just not going to go down this road right now. And he did it, uh, and I'm so happy. And people, some people don't know, but... You know, Donald Glover wasn't the inspiration for Miles, but Miles was being produced at the same time that Donald Glover started his campaign to be Peter Parker in the um, and and when he was and, and remember he he showed up in Spider-Man pajamas in yes. Community, yeah, yeah, and I remember yeah, even yeah. going, oh, that looks great. It does. This looks fantastic. As we were designing Miles privately, quietly behind the scenes, and it just it just he was empowering us to keep going. Uh, without knowing it like he had no idea like we were going down this road so then you see him and and then he did the voice of miles in the animated cartoon that we were doing which is super super sweet and now he's played uncle aaron so uh, maybe he'll get to play all the family members who knows but uh yeah it was immensely flattering it's hard to describe i know i've said this before miles should not have worked I'm shocked that it did. I continue to be shocked that it did. I'm I'm shocked that it has. And it does feel like once it touches the movies, it becomes even a little bit more legitimate, even though that not to me, but to the, to the world. And so, um, people who didn't understand, like uh, out of our bubble, who miles is started taking it more seriously over the whole summer. Our sales went up. Uh, people just, just the mention of it, like, well, who, who's the nephew, what's going on. And then it was all word of mouth. And, you know, a similar thing actually happened on um, 
uh, Avengers, once Thanos showed up, oh, yes. uh, fans told non-fans, buy Infinity Gauntlet. And that became like the biggest trade. And then um, because, uh, you, you know, just the mention of Miles or, or, or even the hint that there's something coming with Miles in the animated movie that's coming up, it, it's been, it's just really great for every, every, for all of us involved with, with Miles' upbringing. Great. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, with um, Guardians of the Galaxy now, mm-hmm. um, I've read uh, some of your past issues, and one of the main things I noticed the difference of was uh, Peter Quill's father. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just wanted to sort of wonder if you had any input in the first film and um, how you felt the differences was there as well. No, I was, I was yeah, we were, we, the committee was in full blast during the first film, and we had read like the earliest, earliest drafts that Nicole Perlman had done of Guardians, which, by the way, proved to Marvel that Guardians was a movie. Like they had this writer's workshop where young writers would develop just things like this, like Black Panther and Iron Fist. And and, and, and it was just to see, is there a movie here, right? And I thought she did, uh, and doesn't really get enough credit, to be honest, of, of proving to everyone involved that they were sitting on Star Wars, you know, and, um, and, and the structure of the movie, the plot of the movie that she wrote is the, is the structure of the, of the first film. And, and I was a fan of these characters and, and, and a fan of what DNA were doing, uh, Abnett and Lanning were doing on, uh, on the book, but I wasn't looking at them as, as like a writer. I was looking at them as a fan. And now here I am on the committee. You're looking at it more like, what is this, right? And I started doing my research into Peter's origin. And his comic book origin is the one I, I yeah. retold, like the one that's in um, Guardians 0.1 or yes. whatever it is. But, and his father being this king of this warring thing that's all in the very first Marvel premiere or Marvel preview, whatever whatever uh, magazine that was that that Star Lord first appeared. It's all in there, right? This king comes, crashes, lands on Earth, makes sweet love to a Earth girl, takes off, boom, you know. So uh, I I went with that. I thought because when I read it, I thought, well, that's one of the best origins I've ever read that I wasn't that aware of. That it really is as strong as Superman's and Spider-Man's, and I went, oh man, I, I want to let's dig back into that. Oh. There's more there than yeah. than than people have uh, have mined. So, you know, James Gunn made his own choices, but it's it's still that you know that longing for fa- you know your father and, and what what yeah. that could be. It's it's not dissimilar in the boy. My father's a huge disappointment, <laughs> but so that is the same. But but you know, um, I guess his is more. Uh, cinematic, more more visual, yeah. where mine was more uh, personal. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, and, and neither one, are both valid. You know, yeah. I think we're going to have to um, end it there. Okay, but um, <laughs> but um, thank you, uh, no, Mr. Bendis. Good luck with the podcast. I, you know, uh, in, any intelligent conversation of film and all things nerd is good news for us. Oh, yeah. um, is there anything you'd like to say? Is there anything you'd like to mention before we go? Um, if you're a fan of the films and you ran, a, ran across this podcast, may I recommend that the source material in the comic books is very exciting for deep fans, right? It's, there's, there's new levels of understanding, new levels of the character, very intimate um, looks inside what, what makes them tick. So if the movies uh, got a little, scratched a little bit of an itch, there's so much more for you. Come to the comics and you will be blown away. 